episode zero zero. Do you reckon we should call it the pilot? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Pilot, alpha test, beta test, whatever you want to call it. Um, Yeah, we've been meaning to do this for quite a while. Ages, so long. (laughs) Yeah, we finally managed to find a nice quiet space with with some construction next door. Yeah. Um, Um, So that's uh, ink. Ink remedy. Ink remedy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah, so they're opening soon. We're yeah. recording at the cafe. I guess we should mention. Yep. Even though you and I, we work at Vic Park, we've uh, we've we've We're thrown Dylan out, out and uh, taken over yeah. the cafe. He's getting us some munchies at IGA. <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing us Doritos and salsa. Yeah. No, he was in. he was meant to be sitting in. He was sitting in the future, but um, he wanted to go. He needed to catch up on food runs and all that. So yeah, he needed to get us some Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it kind of like finally started happening in motion because I had Photoshop open and the idea of the podcast was had been mentioned not long before and I was like, oh, I'm going to do up a graphic, kind of see if I can get momentum going with that. And it worked because yeah. I did that, I think, Sunday and here we are Wednesday now. Yeah, recording, exactly, so. exactly. Uh, I heard well, you, you told me ages ago that you've been doing podcasts for a while and you might have even... Uh, you might have even done one with uh, the great Josh Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, you got your Eagles being on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, so the other podcast I do is the Perth Reconnect podcast for the other business I work at, Beyond Race. So yeah. shout-outs to them and plug shout them. Shout-outs. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you've got your, your Eagles beanie on. Yeah, he told me Josh Kennedy was going to be here. Yeah, and he didn't Lame rocked up. up. <laughs> he had his footy with him as well, yeah. his Auskick footy to, to <laughs> get signed by Josh Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And my texter, yeah, but it was a, it was a shiny texter too. Like you really wanted to make it. Look yeah, good. no, I was hoping. I was hoping. I, I have another football in the boot. I was hoping to get him to sign two and just flog one, but <laughs> it never. It wasn't meant to be. So he's lured me down here to do this podcast. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, so it's kind of just going to be a real run of real casual conversation podcast with a few segments this is kind of beta test just put it out there see what people say see, see what they want to hear we just thought we'd kind of talk about that maybe talk about some albums that we've listened to recently because that's you know we get asked about that a lot um mm. so we can put that in audio form uh, for the masses um so yeah i did i did mention to you earlier today i was like oh think about maybe an album that you've listened to recently what was it that you said yeah well um it's yeah, it's Suspiria actually, the soundtrack to the film that came out in 2018, the remake of the I think it was a 1977 uh, horror film. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's a lot of buzz about Tom York at the moment because it came out recently that someone tried to leak a mini disc of theirs. Of, 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 I think it was a lot of mini discs. Yeah, a bunch, yeah. like shitloads, like about two and a half hours worth of music or something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe more, but didn't they end up selling it themselves? Yeah, they just came out and said, "No, you can't, you can't do that. We'll we'll release it. <laughs> Screw you." Seems so they like just punch. yeah, they released it, um, which was cool. Um, and also, uh, Anima is coming out, which is uh, which is a new one um, from Tom York. So I'd uh, I'd skipped to Suspiria. So yeah, haven't listened to it now, and <clears throat> I haven't seen the movie, but. Um, so what's the connection to the 1977 film and Tommy Ort? Uh, I So basically, um, the original film has a really famous soundtrack by a band, an Italian like prog spaz jazz band called uh, Ghoul. I think it's Ghoul. 
like ghoul with a H. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's cool. I could be wrong. But that soundtrack is like sort of looked back to now as like one of the greatest soundtracks to any movie ever of all time. Um, all right. Let alone like horror film soundtracks. So, um, you know, it's up there with like what John Carpenter was, was doing to, with his films. It's one of I was those about really to say, yeah, this kind of sounds in line with really, John Yeah, Carpenter. really fondly remembered yeah. soundtracks and a bit like a bit of a concept album as well. And um, yeah, Tom York was like approached by the director of the remake to, to do the... Uh, the soundtrack or the score to the sequel. Um, and it's his, his first movie soundtrack. Apparently he took a bit of convincing to actually, um, agree to do it. But, um, with like some encouragement from, uh, Johnny Greenwood, um, yeah. from, from Radiohead, who I, I believe like won an Oscar, was nominated for an Oscar for doing, uh, there will be blood. And like another one, um, that I, that I can't recall. Um, yeah, he agreed to do it, and 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 he put it out, and and it, yeah, it's just, it's really good. Did you see that Tropical Fuck song do a like a live um, kind of playing a like soundtrack playing along to No Country for Old Men? Oh uh, no, no, I didn't see it. But I've I, seen I them post it a couple of times on Instagram. It looks pretty cool. I hope they record it. Like, so they they're playing the movie on a projector. Yeah, same thing, and they kind of like had the jam. I don't know if they work current songs into it or something, but like yeah. Uh, from memory is a while back since I last saw them plug it, but the poster stated like tropical fucks on play, no country from and so it was it kind of seemed like a specific event. Yeah, that they yeah, were doing yeah. It. Um, like a one-off. Or yeah, I, I think it was originally a one-off, and then they kind of did it a few times again, and maybe have refined it a bit. But that's a pretty cool concept. That's awesome. Yeah, I've yeah. always like when I've thought about jamming with friends. I the the like creative part of me conducers always been in my head like putting on a film and just pressing the mute button yeah 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 that to makes total sense really like um, i always think about it in the context of spaghetti westerns speaking of which have you ever seen dead man the jim jamush i think it's jim that's how, i'm pretty sure that's how you no. say his name jim jamush no. the film director oh is this uh it's, an, this it's a neil, neil johnny, young uh, johnny depp film yeah that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, I know it's that in much. like a sepia sort of black and white tone 90s kind of film um, yeah 90s yeah when johnny depp was still a respectable human being um <laughs> and uh yeah neil young did like a yeah like a film score to it you couldn't call it a soundtrack because there's no songs it's 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 like um pretty much exactly like you said it 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 sounds like he just put the movie on and and just sat down with his guitar and like a fuck off reverb pedal and just like made some sounds to to the film and it just came out fucking excellent it came out perfect as far as i'm concerned it's it's one of the one of the soundtracks that everyone because i always i've seen the soundtrack coming to the shop at big park Mm. one i think we had it once before uh yeah i can't can't get it again at the moment but i'm sure they'll i don't think it's limited i kind of just assumed it would be like a standard kind of movie soundtrack i didn't realize it was done by neil young it probably says it on the cover and i just my eyes yeah it does in in definitely in in the finer print but yeah it's on there but yeah you should should definitely definitely check out if you haven't seen the film check out the film but if not well check out both because they're both fantastic i had someone come in not long ago and tell me to watch a video on youtube of neil young playing sample and hold live which is from that album that you i think you told me about trans trans yeah where you'd probably remember the story better. What is it again? Uh, so yeah, he's, in regards to his son. Yeah, that's right. Because he's using a vo- like a vocoder, um, 
on, on that whole album. So apparently, and it's such a different. Like I went away and listened to it. It's such a different album to what you'd expect when, when you're young. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people I know had heard it initially and just thought, "What is this fucking crazy garbage?" And then when they heard the story about why he did it with the vocoder, it, it you can go back and listen to it and you can appreciate it. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. He he had like half an album written or most of an album written, and he began to record with um with his band. I don't know if he's still with Crazy Horse at the time. And um, what happened is he uh he somehow came across a vocoder and was just like enamored with this with the sounds that, that he could produce with it. And the reason was because um he had a son. I don't know if if he's still alive or not, but he had a son or or has a son with cerebral palsy, and um. He, he and his Maybe son, we like, could get Jamie to pull it up. Yeah, yeah. And now Jamie can be Dylan when he gets back. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, pull that shit up. <laughs> but um, I always wanted to say that. <laughs> um, yeah. It feels like every time I listen to a podcast now, everyone makes a Jamie pull it up joke. Yeah, We just yeah, had yeah. to do it. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a meme now in like yeah, podcasts. It, it is, yeah. Joe Rogan's obviously the, the, king of, the king of podcasts, I think, at the moment, as yeah. far as I know. I don't know much about podcasts, but anyway, he, yeah, he had a, he had a son with cerebral palsy and, um, yeah, there was like a big, big issue with, with him not being able to communicate with his son because his son couldn't like, couldn't talk because of his condition. Yeah. So at the time he was going through classes, um, like with, with his wife, um, and his son and, and, um, they would have like a mediator that would help them like learn techniques so they could communicate with, with one another. But it was like obviously a very difficult process and very frustrating and emotionally draining. And um, when Neil came across this vocoder, he sort of thought that um, it kind of conveyed um, how he felt like trying to communicate with his son and vice versa. Like he thought if he distorted the words, like... Yeah, so just wet enough so that... Just enough you, so it's frustrating and you can't... You, can't, can't you feel quite, like you do, but you can't quite... You can't quite make out what he's saying, basically, yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and yeah, he did the, did the whole... Almost the whole album like that, and that's how that came to be, much to the dismay of David Geffen, who he just signed to. Yeah. Because um, it seemed like they kind of, like, really twisted his arm and, like, come on, you've got to give us some, like, Neil Young They wanted songs. some classic Neil, yeah. Yeah, because um, there yeah. are a couple scattered through the album, right? There, there's two songs, I believe, that are just normal sort of... 80s Neil Young fair and the rest of it is like out of this world like yeah like freaking full on Peter Frampton style yeah vocoder and like synthesizers and like drum machines and everything is electronic it's cool though it's like really really cool album yeah um, if you if if you listen to it with you know understanding the context behind it yeah and I think forgetting the gentleman's name if you're listening sorry but he came by the shop and we got chatting um, and he said, yeah, check out this. We got talking about, you know, we're on the topic of vocoders. And he said, check out this song um, live in, I think it was Berlin, Neil Young Sample and Hold. Yeah. And <laughs> at the start of it, it's just, you can't believe it's Neil Young because he's in a suit and tie. It looks like he's playing in craft work. It's strange. <laughs> it and does. He's, he's, but he's got sunnies on and his guitarist at the time, I don't know much about Neil Young, but his guitarist at the time looked like a Bruce Springsteen wannabe. And um, 
he said like the line he says as he's kind of like tuning up he he goes dinosaurs in the computer age but that <laughs> that's run through the vocoder and it's yeah. just the coolest intro ever yeah and he just like crack up laughing and then they get into it and it's just like real rock out kind of tune yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah I, I just it's it's very strange neil young yeah but you almost really, feel uh, stupid for laughing by the end of the song because neil's like fuck you that was awesome it yeah that's the thing is <laughs> it's really good though yeah as as ridiculous as it sounds like he does it well because it's neil young yeah right? he's you got know? some he's got swagger exactly yeah no, it's coming uh, with that bre big rock energy yeah he plays guitar with his whole body like you watch videos of him he's like anton newcomb like you watch Anthony come strum, strum a chord and he's yeah he's 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 moving he's like his whole body to it. <laughs> yeah he's like yeah he's fitting to the music pretty much and like yeah Neil does that he likes to stomp around and it's pretty rad he's got a real presence and he also invented well no he didn't but he popularized flannelette shirts and I thank him for that as well Neil Young did yeah oh well I mean I just well, imagine you're a flannel right now so I am yeah and they, they, him to thanks for it yeah thanks Neil. And then under that, you got a death shirt. Yeah, well, you got to have like, you got to have your, your black death metal t shirt underneath your flannel, or at least some sort of bad t shirt. The only death song I've really come to appreciate because it, it, the time that I tried to get into it, at that time, that kind of music was too abrasive for me back then. Like, it's fine now. Mm. Um, I need to go back and explore death. But um, the one song that stuck out was there cover of uh judas priest's painkiller oh uh, is it the man, sound of silence so, or sound of uh the sound of perseverance perseverance thank yeah you. yeah i uh, actually had that have that album in my cd player in my car i was listening to that nice. song on the way here <laughs> so it's crazy it's such a that. good cover it's better yeah. than the original oh if, yeah, I'll, I'll say it like. yeah yeah uh, the fact that um chuck schuldner actually managed to sing that song in like a higher at a higher pitch than Rob Halford did. Right, yeah. It's like freaking, yeah, it's ball-shrinkingly high. Like, I think it's like, and the fact, it's like it's like half death metal vocals, half half singing, basically, like metal style. It's crazy. I've never yeah. heard anyone pull that off before. But yeah, definitely one of the greatest, like, death metal bands of all time is death. Yeah. Like, they've they've evolved from, from the most primitive, like, you know, form of, like, sort of borderline thrash sort of early death metal stuff to, to just being like this amazing, like trailblazing progressive, you know, pr- progressive death metal band. Um, and do, I think the last album came out in like 98. That was, that was sound of perseverance. And yeah. in, in 1998, man, they were just, I can't think of another band, another death metal band or another extreme metal band that was apart from maybe atheist that were doing anything anywhere near as, as crazy and freaking progressive as what they yeah, were doing. Yeah, because he passed away not long after that, right? I believe so, yeah. Like, maybe 1998 or 99. I think it was before the millennium. But yeah, yeah right. he, he he died of a, of a brain tumor, so. which is which is sad because he was, I believe he was um working on another project, like a side project, which was going to be like a sort of progressive power metal thing. Oh. So it was going to be like a Sound of Perseverance is kind of leaning towards... Like it was kind of hinting at what he was doing in, in his side project, but sure, obviously yeah. it was a lot de- like heavier and had death metal vocals. I think they were going to have like clean vocals in um in this side project. I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's out there if you dig deep enough. Oh, so there's like I recordings think, that have leaked online. Yeah, I think did it, it actually get a proper release or it may have done like posthumously. Yeah. I think yeah. yeah, it may have done, but yeah, 
Very sad. Yeah. Um, but the other metal kind of act we're talking about today was Pantera. So they've announced, they've announced, this is pretty like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, I'm surprised this hasn't been done before, actually. They've, it's pretty cool. They're releasing because it was 94 that came out, right? Yeah. yeah it would have so Vulgar Display of Power came out in 1994 yeah. and they're releasing a limited edition uh, uh, run of Vulgar Display of Power that is limited to 1,994 1, copies. And um, the 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 art the sleeve is like three D three D printed even it's uh, like, it's, so imagine if like they started three D printing record sleeves and it was like a pop out kind of thing but they've made it so you can mount it on a wall and such but yeah. there's a record inside it yeah that's right it's like a it's it's a piece like it's uh, it's like if you went to it's like if you put on a pair of three D goggles yeah and then you took them off and everything looks you like can see in 3D eye. is actually there. Do you remember Magic Eyes when you'd be like, you'd get like the, the book and it would just be like, look like static or something and then you'd like bring it close to your face and you would, your eyes would like cross over and you go cross-eyed and until like uh, the image locked in. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it kind of found its spot I think and I then you'd pull it away it. and you could like, it'd be like some hidden text or hidden picture. Yeah. You, yeah. But I think I this always is like, actually... Well, say that again. This, I think this is actually physically just like the... Oh, but it's kind of that effect, but yeah. in a natural kind of tangible Yeah, yeah. Thing, like yeah. the fist is like coming out of the... It's like actually coming out of the... This is this probably doesn't make any sense to anyone who's listening. Yeah, just... I'll put I'll put the link in the description <laughs> yeah. for that one. But it's it's cool anyway. Um, I think they're, they're pre, pre-ordering for like 199 US, I think. Yeah. Because I had to click the link to see if I could afford one and I can't. Yeah. So that's a shame. I kind of felt it was on the gimmicky side of things. I, I yeah. thought it was cool, but like it was a gimmick, but at least it was a unique gimmick. Like I'm, I'm not a ter- like opposed to a, a cool gimmick. Nah, no, nah, definitely not. Yeah, it's a it's a talking. Point. I've already got it, so it's kind of I've got. Yeah, if you've got. Yeah, exactly. Unless you were, it'd be cool to have in the collection. Oh, man. If I found it in my hands one day, I'd be like stoked to if, have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. If I had a spot on my mantelpiece, it's certainly not going to fit on like your standard record crate in your in your standard record crate like you're not going to be no you're not going to be putting it in you, your dj you, case you'd hang it on the wall you wouldn't put it on the shelf. yeah yeah you probably it wouldn't would be even, too inconvenient to yeah exactly you wouldn't otherwise. even want to play it um but i bet you they'll 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 be gone pretty soon less than 2000 they'll be gone super quick and i'm sure they'll pop up on discogs at like a 300 percent, 400 percent inflated probably price already are like people are just like assuming that they're gonna get. Oh, one. they're definitely definitely gonna do that. I I actually I pre-ordered um, the uh, typo negative none more negative box set recently, which was just announced as a as a reissue from Run Out Groove. Um, I think they're like a subsidiary of like Warner Records, and they're like their sort of boutique like record label. Right. So they do a lot of. Um, so it's like always like there's a high standard quality of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of like. Um, it's it, they're like light in the attic they do a lot of reissues and um okay. a lot of albums that like people have kind of wanted to see on vinyl pages but they um you know they they do everything to their nth degree they get everything re- remastered you know perfectly they the, the packaging is like beautiful everything's done really well but um originally the the none more negative box set came out i think in 2011 on records today and um it was limited to like a thousand copies and it's and it's every typo negative album released under roadrunner and um including the ones that had never been released before or since and sealed copies of that anyone who's lucky enough to get 
more than one copy of that would be laughing because they're worth like two and a half thousand dollars now on, oh, the, on the market wow. so everyone That's wanted one no one could get one or if they could the price the price made it like unattainable so run out groove were like yeah we're doing it we're going to reissue it um and we're taking pre-orders now for release or shipment in september and it's going to be limited to five thousand, depending on how many pre-orders they get so they'll only right. they'll only manufacture as many as they get pre-orders for and they're going to be hand numbered and it's going to be every single album released from from yeah the first one through to the last one they did on roadrunner so how many was that six albums yeah okay. um so like and every anyone who's a typo negative fan who's tried to get their stuff on vinyl knows how difficult it is like most of their albums or a lot of them didn't have a vinyl release and the ones that did only have one release and the prices are like ludicrously high like four five hundred dollars for a copy of like um october rust or whatever yeah. so to, i think the pre-order cost me like i after paid it so but it cost me like three hundred and twenty dollars i think australian yeah for, for all that to have all those albums and i'm sure that uh i saw on the forums people talking about how they'd already ordered numerous copies so yeah. that they could keep them sealed and store them away and then probably sell them at an inflated price and it yeah. just seems to be like uh people were pretty blase about it i guess there's not really yeah. much you can do to stop that yeah sucks but yeah i feel like that that's slowly kind of not becoming a thing like you don't really get it with like king gizzard releases anymore because like they're more on top of their demand yeah they repress the classic albums and yeah i think they kind I mean, of you put- say classic but they only really came out like five years ago. <laughs> classic if you're like 15 years old yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, that's, they handled that really well though they put kind of put their foot down and and just said no nah, this is this is getting yeah, a bit out of hand much. and announced the uh, announced the reissues and kind of put a stop to all that which is nice did but- you see that video where um they purchased a bunch <laughs> a bunch of before they announced the official represses of the first five they bought the copies of the the bootlegs that were going around oh uh, yeah and they burnt it in the video and oh uh, that's right ip bootlegs yeah yeah yeah, yeah I remember it was pretty seeing funny the, the uh the promo video with the really shoddy like mid 90s like 3d animate animation of the the yeah. vault door shutting classic yeah i thought that was really cool uh animation of that reminds me of like a like a cutscene on a ps1 game yeah like it's that <laughs> that level of that level of animation yeah <laughs> um yeah. gotta keep it retro yeah um so uh i think the the album but kind of an album but it is also an album that I was going to talk to you about. Uh, I yeah. actually mentioned it to you earlier today, but um, yeah, I was like, actually, this will be good to talk about because it just came out. Yeah. What so, was the film called again? It's a, it, the, so it's a film produced by a surf company in collaboration with the label Mexican Summer, um, who have recently worked with um, Dung Yan on a, on a um, collaboration album. So yeah. it's, Dung Yan and a band called Woods. Um, and that, that was, the, they've just jumped across to that label. Um, and Dung Yan, Conan Moccasin, uh, along with Andrew from MGMT, they they match up. Uh, uh, Alalas. Yeah, awesome band. We were talking about them. Great yeah. band. Um, and a couple of other artists that are really good. Um, they approached them and said, um, we'd like to we've got some surf footage that we filmed would you be interested in recording songs matched on uh, ma- 
to match the visuals. Kind of like what we're talking about before, really. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. And so they actually, from what it seems, they don't specifically state it, but it looks like they actually flew those artists to the areas where they filmed it. So yeah. the film jumps across different locations and it's basically a surf film from, uh, with different locations around the world mm. where it's shot and they get bands to go there, I assume, um, there's someone really nice at least yeah and record songs to certain um, pieces of the footage yeah and it's really great it's a there's it's all unique material that is written for it um and yeah the it's just like a very kind of i don't want to say sophisticated but very like well-crafted surf rock yeah yeah like right it's really been labored over because each artist only did between two to like four songs yeah, or something they're yeah. really hyper focused on those and yeah each moment of the film oh, so it created a really good soundtrack i'm probably 100%. gonna get it at some oh, point is it so there's a vinyl release there's a vinyl release yeah they yeah. they they knew people would be super into it yeah yeah um, and because it's got such big names on it as well they that are kind of bands that people would pre-order records for absolutely yeah well, like jung yan yeah um, well that's uh, see those that i the only band really that out of all the bands that you mentioned that I'm familiar with properly is Ala Lars. Um, yeah. They've definitely got like that, that surf rocky vibe. They've kind of built a, a career yeah. around that almost. I'd um, only, I only just this kind of, cause I watched it a few nights ago and that night and the following night, I did a bit of a deep dive on yeah. Lars and uh, found out that they, at least three, three out of the four, I think it was, met while they're working at amoeba music in la that's right i read that ages ago yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. is cool yeah that is cool but yeah. it kind of like because i went through and listened to their three albums mm. and it seems very you know there's no two songs that are the same even nah. though it's a very consistent style yeah and um yeah it does seem like they obviously were you know going through the shelves mm. you know listening to a lot of music and kind of learning from it yeah. because it's very i feel like it's very inspired from the niche areas that of surf rock so beyond your dick dales and all that yeah that yeah. you know unless you were super into that genre at the time you probably would be unaware of yeah and sounds having that inform your music is really from such a niche area would be really cool yeah it sounds like um sounds like a, a band full of crate diggers basically yeah exactly yeah. oh the boss is back uh the doritos have arrived <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the other, the other, Connor Moccasin was the other one you mentioned. Yeah, so it's him and uh, Andrew from MGMT. Yeah, yeah. So cool. I can imagine that would be a pretty cool blend. Yeah. Um, Connor Moccasin, he's from New Zealand, is that right? That's right. The song they record, one of them is called Bad Boys, and it's he says the term bad boys, but he runs it through the this like speech pedal, and it you know warps and jangles and stretches yeah. and pulls and the voice and he fucks around with that a lot through it which is really cool and what kind of do you know what kind of is it like a guitar effects pedal or i don't i don't know or just some sort of it's some some, some sort of studio of effect yeah yeah and then but uh, it's really cool because he's kind of mucking around with it live you can feel him turning the dials and yeah 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 and that so that's um i i imagine mgmt would probably bring a lot of like that influence like the, the electronic yeah, side of i things. wouldn't be surprised if it was him singing and then Andrew from MGMT's sitting there twiddling the knobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, did they just um, did they 
pick like famous locations where there's like famous surf breaks? Did, was it like yeah? Uh, from memory, it was obviously Los Angeles because it is an American production. Um, and then the Maldives was another one. Not to be confused with the Maldives in uh, in Perth South. <laughs> Not the same thing. That's very. That'd also be a luxurious place to go. I'm gonna yeah. find out. Gonna you can out. surf the. You can surf the dunes there. Yeah. Um, what about Australia? Anything on location I don't in think Australia? It was, it, the, the closest thing that came to it was Maldives, which you know isn't, but <laughs> which is not not not. Oh, Maldives. here's the cool thing as well. I totally forgot to mention. Um, Robert Beatty animates over it, not throughout it consistently, but in certain transitions yeah. and at the start and the end credits, and you know he does all the the text and the artwork. So fill fill me in then, because I'm not I'm not familiar. Who's, oh, who's man, Robert you, Beatty? Robert Beatty is an absolute lord um he um he is a musician but he's most famous for his artwork and he's i believe he's an american guy Mm. um or he might be based in london i'm not too sure but he has probably graced every kind of you know music scene out there with his album artwork it's very distinctive um you know a weird exits by the ocs yeah that's yeah oh he does the art he did, he did that did that artwork yeah um, and he's also done must have done some Ty Seagull right or Ty more Seagull. than likely um, I feel he, like he sorry go on oh I was gonna say I feel like um or maybe like Fuzz or something like that or yeah possibly his yeah. style is very distinct so he also did Gum's third album yeah where it's just the text Gum written in that really fancy style yeah he did the Currents artwork for Tame Impala oh okay um. So it's not illustrated. It's he does illustration and he does it's like and he does I'll graphic design sort of stuff as well. Then because because uh, Currents was pretty like um, it's it's all graphic. That design. was great. Yeah, that it's was definitely graphic design. graphic design. Yeah. Yeah. So this is his kind of style. Uh yeah, 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 yeah. So very unique. Hundred percent. Like very uh, very distinct. He also very does- San Francisco. Like gives me that gives me that sort of um, like yeah. Castle Face Records, like San Fran kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll find out actually if he is he's American, according to Wikipedia, and he's from Kentucky. Uh, that was that's f- not what I would have guessed if I had money on it. Um, no, but yeah, either. he uh, album artwork. He did a maybe he hasn't done a pop. He did Gum's most recent one as well. Uh, he did uh, Drug Dealers one, um, Honey. Um, would this would you say that this guy would be your I, favorite uh your favorite cover artist like your favorite album cover artist he definitely he'd be in the top three yeah who are you sure. who are your others i kind of feel i feel like i gotta say jason galea from who works from flightless who does all the king gizzards artworks. yeah 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 gizzard got some pretty damn interesting yeah. Album covers of yeah jason has definitely been the biggest kind of motivating inspiration for you know the kind of stuff I do like mm. what, like there's many yeah but he's probably the one that stands out among the rest just because it's so so DIY and yeah you know you see them doing it and you feel like there, there's a there's a magic to what he does but mm. you also feel like oh this guy's you know kind of resonates in the way that you know, I can do this kind of stuff too yeah, like, yeah. In my own unique kind of way I wouldn't want to do what he's doing but yeah yeah you know it's fu- it's funny as well, like when you start looking into, like who's done what album covers, and you realize that like everyone's well, not everyone, but for me, like I 
I'd look up an album cover because I liked it and go, oh, it was that guy. And then I'd and then I'd continue reading and realize that he'd done like a bunch of album, other album covers that yeah. like I really liked as well. And you just yeah, it's like a subcon. You're just subconsciously drawn to like one person's cover art, like um, yeah. Roger Dean, man, like everyone probably knows who Roger Dean is. He's he's he was responsible for like um, most of the Yes album covers. Yeah, and he, and he's instantly recognizable because he, he okay. So is it the same guy that does Obsidian? Uh, potentially. Is that an old prog band or no? It's um they belong in the soul section on the shelves. Is it Obsidian? Oh, uh, is it Oss- Ossie Bisa or Oss- oh, okay. Ossie, Ossie Bisa? Because it's in Bisa. such a stylized font. The, as soon as you see the band name, like he's he yeah, he, it's almost like he's doing a logo for like a death metal band or something. Every band, yeah, it's, every, it's, yeah you got to really look at it and be yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Everything's really looped around <laughs> and like, yeah, he, he's art is instantly recognized and i think he he's done like um he did a lot of prog like stuff yeah. and I, th- I think he might have done um maybe budgie's first album cover as well but i'm not 100 percent on that or maybe one of their album covers but yeah his his stuff is is amazing um dan seagrave is another one who's like i know that name he probably yeah he's like it, all of the all of the classic death metal album covers like um he was like did a lot of landscapes so it wasn't like a cannibal corpse like ripping ripping entrails out kind of stuff that he was doing but more like your your hopeless like hellscapes and you know mm. um suffocation was like a good example he did a lot of that stuff a lot of like early early 90s like chances are if you if you look up a classic early 90 death metal death metal album he probably did the cover but um yeah i'm sure there's plenty of other cover artists as well that are just totally slipping under the radar or, or uh, teams teams like um what's that uh a production company that did uh like all of those classic pink floyd album covers and hypnosis oh yeah yep I'm sure there's plenty of plenty of people like that that are, that are flying under the radar the other guy who uh hypnosis the oh man i did a project on this guy at uni um I forget the guy. he did the photography for animals First, what's the first David Gilmore one? Learning to fly uh, again is that no. the first David Gilmore album? Yeah, self, I think it's just self-titled. No, 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 no. Sorry, not David Gilmore. Pink Floyd after Roger Waters left. Oh, um, after Roger Waters left would have to be uh, the Division Bell. No, that right? that's Roger Waters one. I'm pretty. I sure. think no. I think the Division Bell is actually um, is is no Roger Waters. It's David Gilmore. Era, oh, okay, right. Yeah. Uh, um, the, I think the last one I've not really listened to the division. Oh no, sorry. I was thinking of what's the one with the, uh, I know what the division bell is now. Yeah. That's, that's the, the right. Stonehenge that is right. Dudes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I haven't really explored that one. I'm, I'm into that. I've, I know the classic ones. Animals is my favorite. Yeah. Animals Wish you were is here and all that. I don't really go. I, I've tried the Sid Barrett stuff and it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's good. I can tell it's, it's clever and everything, but you know, there's so much more mind, else I want to explore at the time that it gets put aside usually. Yeah, but I can appreciate it. Um, so, so what? What do you? What? What would be this album that you're trying to pick? What? Um, what uh, oh, after Animals? It's uh, it's the it's the last one with Roger Waters. Maybe the Final Cut. Yeah, that's it. Thank yeah. you. That's why I couldn't think of the name. Cause it's that's such a pretty a generic uh, name. Yeah, that one. I don't know what it is. I've looked at it. Play. I can picture it in my head, but I don't know what it is. It's is it like military a military jacket, or it's it's the badges that they have, like the fabric kind of. It's like a black. Know pins yeah jacket and like a like a military yeah badge pin thing yeah like, um 
war. Is that- I'm assuming it's probably his father's. Because, you know, that in the wall, there's all that theme of his father going away to war. And oh, all that. yeah, of course, like that. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, like, a lot of that. Because I think most of the war was written by, by Waters. It sounds like a Waters It was thing. mostly him, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is the final cut actually worth a listen? It's I'm not, not listen to it. You haven't? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't either. I, I must say, uh, most people are either in one camp or the other. But I prefer yeah. Gilmore. I'm a Gilmore guy. I appreciate you more. Did you see the other last weekend that he did a massive auction and gave like raised so, twenty two million, yeah. you know, twenty five million or something like that um, for some climate change group? But he did a big auction of all these mm. strats and uh, sorry, not strats. Um, yeah, well, it was his Stratocaster. It was his Stratocaster, yeah. the black one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he sold it for three point three million to the owner of yeah. some sports team. But the cool thing about it was that there was a there was a proxy bidder in the front row who was bidding on it, but a guy behind him filmed it and put it on YouTube. And it's this great moment where, you know, um, he's on the phone to the owner, the owner's, you know, live through this guy yeah, and he's bidding on it, bidding on it. And, you know, they get to 3.3 mil and the, obviously the other guy you know, bails out and then, you know, they hit the gavel and, 3.3 million. Um, you know, it's the most the guitars ever sold for is what I read. Like the most ever. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I would I would have assumed some kind of like Hendrix one or something like that would have gone. For maybe more. inflation has something to do with that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe nu- numerical value, like on the actual, mm. the actual number itself, maybe the highest, but you know, inf- with inflation, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah, I'd imagine yeah. that there'd be some, some posthumous guitar. That, that would be much more historically important than yeah. one of, one of, Gilmore's many Stratocasters that all look pristine because he he doesn't he's not the sort of guitarist that like you know swings his guitar around or like you know they're all they're all pretty pristine you know he's like he's like that uh you know like 40 40 something like 50 something like guy who just wants to like rekindle his youth and he's bought a he's bought a two and a half thousand dollar strap but he never wants to take it out of the case you know what I was reading about it because I, I thought oh man that'd be really hard to let go of like you know you've built the foundations of your career and your life with these tools mm. of your trade. But there's no evidence of that on this guitar. It's it's perfectly shiny. Exactly. But what I was reading is he, he was saying in an interview that someone asked him like, oh, are you still playing basically? And he's like, yeah, I just actually use the um, the replicas of my own model because I actually feel really good. Yeah. But I just loved it as it was such like a kind of statement to purists. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, <laughs> I, I, I get like the hype behind having an original pressing and all that, but mm. of an album and, you know, the original of a certain guitar. But like, I don't get the whole purist mentality of it's got to be that like or else it's crap. yeah you've like, got to be you've got to be open-minded it's good enough flexible. for david gilmore man like exactly like, you, you don't have and he and even david gilmore is saying like oh, yeah replica yeah. of my own guitar like feels pretty similar so <laughs> exactly. it's good enough for me exactly if it's good enough right. for david gilmore then like yeah yeah, yeah. You probably, i probably wouldn't ask um ask brian may that question though because he built his own guitar I was like, um, that's right. That's pretty wrong for me. The red, spe- the red, the red special. As well, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's a PhD in it. Well, he's not an active ast- astrophysicist, but you know, I think he has like an honorary degree. I think oh, he, it, it might, might be a real degree. I might have read it as honorary. I thought he studied it because I thought he studied it like after Freddie died and they kind of like took a little bit of a break. Yeah. And y- you're probably right. He seems like a pretty switched on dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he actually, I mean, like, you'd probably, could you get a, an honorary award without, being an active astrophysicist <laughs> probably, as an astrophysicist probably not oh yeah. they may be maybe but they just 
they just give him a badge and they they let him like hang out in the office, but they don't let him actually push any of the buttons. <laughs> yeah, you can. You, here's the keys to the telescope. Don't don't break <laughs> just it. Just sit in the corner, Brian. <laughs> Bring us some Doritos. <laughs> yeah, but he like I was watching. One he of those, he um, gets relegated to being the coffee boy. Yeah, yeah, coffee boy, you know, Brian. He's gone from top top dog in the music industry <laughs> to you know coffee boy yeah. for the, for the astrophysicists. <laughs> All the astrophysicists like bully him and like ruffle <laughs> ruffle his afro, like give him nookies. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, he's his homemade guitar. He built it out of his fireplace with his dad when he was a kid, and so anytime something goes wrong with that guitar on stage, he's he has he had someone in Australia like a luthier, um, like specially build him a like an exact replica of of his original red special, so that if he breaks a string, his guitar tech will run out on stage, bring him the replica, he'll play the replica until like the string is back on, and then it's just like straight back to the red special. It's all he'll ever so he play. only uses that guitar like mainly unless he breaks a string. My, unless he'll only use that one. Yeah, pretty much, or unless there's a song that like requires a different sound, maybe or something oh, like okay, that. Yeah, but yeah. that's pretty rare. And he plays with like um, he'll only play with like nickels or pennies or whatever. What? So yeah, he like because that's just what he's used to. He doesn't use guitar picks. <laughs> he uses like nickels or pennies. So he's he's guitar tech and he's he's repair or whatever has like all this work to do getting rid of all these like nickel filings from around his strings and like um fixing all of the damage that like a nickel will do to a guitar eventually just like wear it away and um yeah he's just like super finicky about his guitars and his amps um like he he uses like a whole wall of like vox amps um like a literal wall like i reckon probably from like floor to ceiling in this room that we're sitting in from like that pillar to that pillar, just fill, filled with, with Vox amps all individually mic'd up. And then they're all run into this, like uh, some sort of rack mounted controller and his guitar tech just like pushes certain buttons to, throughout the show at certain points of the songs to change his tone for him. So he doesn't have to push any pedals or anything like that. So he can just go out there and play. And he's, huh. he knows exactly when the sound is, of his guitar is going to change because his guitar tech is just like, yeah, I just stand here and I push this button at like 32 seconds into this song. Then I, you know, then I go have a diary, basically. So better than the rest of the time. It he's like super working, pedantic. Like, working tirelessly. Is it like, that makes me like question, is he a master of the trader? Has he got something like, you know, some kind of issue he needs to work out, like if he's that particular. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. How much money has he spent in inconvenience himself? Or is it because he, I, like, I I believe he is because he is I think a he's purist, just, but. I think you well, are. I think he's a bit of a. Or not a purist in the negative way. I least. think he's like a bit he, of a. He knows exactly what he wants. He knows he, what he likes, I guess. And maybe that. If you had the money to be able to pull that off, I guess, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And it's like, like if the, you can, if you've got the funds to and the facility to get exactly how you want yeah Yeah. i mean he's power to him yeah i mean he's got he's an astrophysicist so like (laughs) you know (laughs) but he built that guitar with his dad as well and even like you know they they even like hand wound the pickups and they they did everything i'm pretty sure from scratch so whatever electronics were required to to get it all going made the bridge made the you know the frets and everything like the whole thing was done from the ground up so he's managed to keep that guitar alive for x amount of years huh. for the, for that long and Wood, uh woody uh is it woody nelson 
Yeah. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Woody Nelson. Were you thinking of Woody Nelson? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't listen to so much of Woody Nelson. We had the Natural Born Killers soundtrack Willie Nelson. somewhere. Yeah. I, was prob- I probably saw it. It's in my yeah. subconscious. But yeah, Willie Nelson, his guitar trigger. It's the same same deal. He's played the same acoustic guitar. Like thin, flimsy acoustic guitar for God knows how many years. And it's it's he's actually worn a hole through, through this guitar now. This acoustic guitar has got a massive hole in it from just like the pick like scraping up and down on it but no other guitar sounds like it over the years if you if you if you google or just go on youtube and just uh just google uh willie nelson uh trigger and there's like a little mini documentary about it it's fascinating um oh wow yeah some people just grow attached their guitars and wow yeah it's munted like it has no business he has absolutely that is a well-loved guitar yeah absolutely um but yeah his story about it and everything is just like wow man like you and and you watch it and you're like okay i can understand why you probably wouldn't want to play any other guitar and it doesn't sound like anything else like and it's probably because it's munted yeah something about its tonal quality has just like changed because of how well loved it is and how how much how much love he's put into that guitar it's yeah it's fascinating that's yeah i cannot believe that everyone should google that because that <laughs> yeah he's 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 <laughs> it's wrecked he's definitely wrecked it yeah mm. absolutely um, are there any albums that you're anticipating yeah that i'm anticipating moment? yeah that uh, aren't released yet maybe there's a single out uh well yeah i definitely i touched on one earlier that was at nema um which i, th- I think came out a few days ago like on the 27th but i haven't heard it yet um so definitely that um <clears throat> i'm like a, a a Radiohead tragics anything with Tom York's name on it is going to get numerous spins um and um something coming out I don't know but something I ordered recently that I'm anticipating it's arrival yeah which is uh Don, I think it's Donnie and Joe Emerson so a lot of a lot of people might have heard this this is a light in the attic release so light in the attic are really cool because they kind of pick like really obscure forgotten but like really cult classic albums or like super cult classic albums and they reissue them so they're the ones that did um the rodriguez reissues because there's an amazing story behind that and it's quite you know wasn't super popular Uh, everywhere you know what you want to know something that film does not mention because it inconveniences the story that they're painting is that rodriguez actually had like pretty like pretty reasonable success in australia yeah that's yeah they don't make mention of that whatsoever yeah yeah that's what it kind of like takes it away from the thing yeah that's actually midnight oil back in the day apparently yeah yeah because everybody in australia knows who rodriguez is like yeah most people do anyway yeah so yeah the fact that um yeah there was definitely when i watched that film for the first time i kind of thought "Mm," but i didn't really think too much beyond that because i was probably just like too blown away by the actual story of him, him and it's still an incredible story uh, putting that aside. Like, you know, in terms of having no idea about how big he was in South Africa and, Oh man, it's yeah. It's, it's a mind blowing story. Like, and just filling out stadiums. Like, yeah. And he was essentially, he was living, he was never at that point here working his hands to the bone, living pretty much on the fringe of poverty. Yeah. Um, you know, as as far as, as at least the way the picture paints it anyway, Mm. um, the film, but, yeah, so Light in the Attic did those, and they did um, what's the other one? Those three religious girls whose whose parents like forced them to record an album because their father like had a has a, had a dream, a vision from God. 
Have you heard, of that, heard about that one? <laughs> no. Uh, right, I'm going to find it out. What's it called? What's the label? I'll find uh, it by the label. I can tell you the name of the album. It's called Philosophy of the World. Philosophy um, of the World. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is probably this is a more interesting story than the one about the shags. The shags. So, <laughs> oh man, you you <laughs> have a listen later and you'll lose it. Like, but basically, they they'd never played instruments before. They, they came from a family. So is this with, like the the Christian equivalent of Captain Beefheart? Pretty. Oh man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, you couldn't have you hit it on the head. Basically, that's exactly what it sounds like. So it's these three like really weird looking like twin sisters. No musical background. No one in their family had ever picked up or played an instrument. Um, so I think they were like evangelical family or some one of those wacky like Christian. It's the, Wikipedia reckons that the genre is garage rock. Yeah, it's not garage rock. It's it was, outside of music. It was written in a garage. That's like basically <laughs> the only thing it has in common with garage rock. But yeah, he their father had a dream one night. Like he God came to him and told him that um, that that his three daughters were going to like be in a band. They were going to be super successful and they were, their purpose in life was to be in this band and like spread the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wakes up the next morning and he's like, right, I'm pulling you all out of school. No more school at all. I'm going to blow all of our savings on like a guitar, a drum set and like maybe two guitars. If not, it was like a bass, a guitar and a drum set. And he's like, all right, cool. Well, in, into the garage you go. God will tell you what to do. And you, you come out with an album. So that, and, and that's what they did. They just, they just had no idea what they were doing. Didn't know how to play any, a single note. And they just made, they wrote these songs. It's, it's fucking crazy. And then. <laughs> is it good in any way to listen no, to? Look. Is it, or is it a novelty thing? It's like, very novel. This. It's yeah. novel. It's like. Kirk Cobain was like a massive fan. So what does that tell you about it? It's like right. he was really into like weird and wacky shit. Yeah. Um, like Daniel Johnson. And- yeah. Although Daniel Johnson's probably got, well, definitely has a lot more musical merit to the Shags. The Shags yeah, is just oh, a hilarious story really. Oh, okay. It's, it's more about the backstory to it. Yeah. Than, than about the music. So no one's, no one's got the lyrics memorized. Oh, no, they do. Definitely. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the, the songs are, the, the songs are just so innocent and just like, oh, okay. The, like the song titles are like, my my pal foot foot which is like my their cat foot 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 my pal foot foot which is like the oh name my pal foot foot um and there's another song called like who are parents and it's a song about like who <laughs> who parents are to us as children and like you know i'm so happy when you're near yeah i love that they're so christian it's like not when you're in my arms not when we're making physical contact yeah. when when we're at the jesus at uh, the distance <laughs> that jesus approves us yeah, of yeah being just near i'm so happy when we're side hugging yeah yeah, but it's crazy. And then they, once they've oh, got track some, six is uh, we have a savior. Yeah, track one on side two is things I wonder. It's very it's it's very preachy. It's it's their philosophy of the world as like three very sheltered young girls, and it's it's so fascinating. It's very ideological. Yeah, yeah, very. <laughs> it's fascinating in that sense. And then like once they had some songs written, they their dad was like, "Cool, we're gonna buy some studio time now." All the while he's spending like the all the whole blowing the whole family budget. And um, yeah, they're like, all right, cool. Here's here's my girls. They're, they're the shags, and they're gonna they're gonna record an album, and I'm gonna pay you to do it. And the guy's just like, all right, like play the song, show us what you got. And they start playing, and it's just he he would have I, I imagine he would have just laughed probably, or cried one or the other. And somehow they managed to get through this album. They recorded it, and like apparently at intervals during the recording process. 
one of the girls would go put their hand up, like stop during a song and go, oh, I made a mistake. You know, oh, we've got to start over again. And like all the engineers were looking around at each other, like how can they even tell that one of them has made a mistake? Like how is this even, this is all organized. Like they've written this and it's, it's the only time I've ever heard like a drummer consistently play offbeat, like out of time, which is probably harder to do than playing oh, in time. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. And then they reunited. They managed to reunite when they were like, you are know, they still alive? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, Do they, are they are they in on it now, or are they still kind of blissfully unaware of how look, ridiculous? They're definitely it is. not blissfully unaware. But you watch footage of like when they got them back together, and it was almost kind of like I don't know if it felt right, really, because it was like I think they were they were self aware by that point, but people only really wanted uh-huh. to see them because it was just a bit of a bloody circus, Good like not off. because yeah. So it kind of felt like. You know, it wasn't really necessary to like reunite them. I'm hoping they got something out of it. I'm hoping they were, you know, I'm hoping it sold them albums and they got royalties or whatever. But yeah, it's 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 a crazy story. And like Light in the Attic Records are so good for just like picking picking albums that are just long lost like that. Right. That have that are really really like deep cut like cult classics. Um. And yeah, Donnie and Joe Emerson was another one that I ordered, and that's kind of a similar similar th- thing where these two kids in the seventies, like their parents built them a home studio and bought them some instruments, and they were just obsessed with writing songs and recording. But they, to the contrary, they were actually really, really amazing, but just never made it anywhere. So yeah, right. um, the album's called Dream and Wild by Donnie and Joe Emerson, and if you ever, it's on YouTube in full. It's it's cool as hell, and yeah, just these two just two high school kids, brothers all self-taught on their instruments or both self-taught on their instruments and just like multi-tracked these songs in the seventies and like wore flashy, like Elvis Presley style, like white suits with like flared, like flared necks and that's pretty, uh, bell bottom trousers and wild. just, yeah, it's recorded an album. Actually speaking of, uh, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. So, Band biopics or artist biopics, because a lot of it's like solo people too, are becoming like I've noticed the new kind of trend in film. Mm. Like you had Bohemian Rhapsody come out and that went wild. And then uh, Rocket Man just came out, the Elton mm. John one, and that's done really well. I've not seen either. No, me neither. Um, and now I'm seeing talk of uh, Elvis Presley one. I didn't know that. Um, it, I just read the first thing about it today. Yeah. Um, and it was. The articles, like I just saw the headline. To be quite honest with you, uh, but it seemed it came. I remember looking at it, and it came from a like a half decent publication. Mm, mm. They're basically speculating whether Harry Styles was gonna play Elvis, oh. which I'm open to. Like I, I don't care. I'm probably <laughs> never gonna watch it anyway. But Harry Styles apparently in Dunkirk, which I've not seen either. I've seen Dunkirk. Was he good in that? Uh, Someone look, told me he was. I think he was like. If you didn't know it was Harry Styles, if no one knew it was Harry Styles and it was just and it was just still him, but guy. he was in the movie, no one would have been talking about him. Like, that's the way I right. see it. But like, was, he, but he, was he good? He yeah. was he was like serviceable. He did the job and he blended right. in and like so he was he might, yeah you must have to be good at acting to do that. Yeah, but he, it wasn't like a standout performance. Like so yeah, he's he's obviously got some chops. Like yeah yeah, I, I mean, and, like he, he seems pretty you know. Cool enough. Like, we, obviously, One Direction was a very manufactured kind of mm. thing. You know, they, they're guys that are like, they want to make it in the music industry. And He's all clearly that. trying like, to take a step away from that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say next. He's obviously, you know, yeah, wanting to kind of put the One Direction thing behind him. Behind him, yeah. He's trying to he's trying to build a body of work now, obviously. Yeah, and like he's he's not taking shit cheesy roles. Like it seems Yeah, he's, well he's he's got he's his got, intent on doing good cinema. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's got a fucking great agent too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, actually I, he had like a sing. I don't know if he's done an album or whatever, but I remember when when One Direction split and you started to hear like singles from oh. each of the band members pop up. <gasps> Did you hear his? No, I didn't hear any of them. Sounded like um, the first thing I heard, sort of thought when I heard it, it was very different. It sounded like it had been written by like a room full of people though. Oh, yeah, one, one of those, of those songs. Yeah, because it was almost was like, it kind of like a kiss thing where they were like. Um, because I don't, well, I don't know if Kiss said they broke up because they say they break up a million oh, times yeah. where they had the solo albums, but they all released them on the same day and it was them and their Kiss makeup on the cover, but they were all solo records. Did it? it was it kind of like that when they released all these singles? It, was uh, kinda, it seemed like an orchestrated effort basically. Yeah, it just felt like, you know how you have like teams of songwriters these days a lot of time. And yeah, it felt like yeah. one of those songs. Cause, but it was so, it was really, really well produced. I'll definitely, definitely say that. But it, you know, you know, it kind of vibe it had is like, um, you remember like when Robbie Williams used to like sing songs like, um, remember when Robbie Williams used to sing songs? <laughs> <laughs> remember those days? Like, you know, like late nineties. Yeah. And see, I, cause his solo career was when I was growing up and started watching like music video shows and all yeah. that. Like I, that was like my first foray into music actually was like music video shows on like channel nine and ABC and mm. channel 10. I couldn't get enough of them. Hey, like dude, it was just like pop music. And every, every kid, like every, every red blooded young boy would wake up like early to watch video hits. Cause all the chicks were like yeah. shaking their things. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like a rite of passage. Yeah, much. yeah, I like and and rage as well. Mm-hmm. Like I think, like because rage didn't quite engage with the pop stuff, and it's like the pop stuff's kind of like that that sugar water kind of thing. Definitely. And so, you, like as a little kid, you kind of watch like VH1 hits and all that, and then you realize that as you got older, you're like, oh, rage has got the good <laughs> shit. Like I remember, like they're actually playing the quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. When you start to hit like. Uh, an age where you're you're sort of ready to kind of explore your own music rather than just be like into whatever's being pushed in your face kind of thing yeah i remember man what was that song by the offspring um yeah michael jackson cover no oh yeah there was that and um yeah uh smooth criminal and um What's that really popular offspring oh, no, song? Sorry, that's Alien Ant Farm. That's not awesome. Yeah, but that was one of the songs as well. That was oh, like, okay. uh, there was like at the top of the video right. hits oh, countdown right. yeah, for yeah. like weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, oh, it was huge. And you'd always sort of like watch Everyone the, was watch the 10. Everyone school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You watch the top 10 countdown and you'd be like, if it was number one again, you'd be like, yes, sucked in Britney Spears, like Alien Ant Farm. Yeah. It was like, a, you'd barrack for like your favorite song. Yeah. And then you look back and you you realize that all the songs like, you're barracking for it's were kind of like awful. Yeah, those kind of like friendly rivalries you'd have with your friends, and like you wouldn't want their song to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine won. I got the better taste in music. My yeah, exactly won. right. Although, like, I'm pretty sure if you didn't own like Americana and like Anna of the State when I was in like year three, year four, year five, or whatever, like you're a square. You were a square man. Everyone had those albums. What was your fir- like? 
uh, I remember the first time I ever downloaded a song off the internet was someone at school told me to go to mp3shits.com. So it looked like it said MP3 shits, <laughs> but it was MP3s hits. Yeah. It was just a site that was uploading MP3 rips of um, just whatever was going on in the charts. Yeah. It was like, oh, I downloaded this song. It's by a band called Slipknot. And like, I, ne- I never got into Slipknot at that time. I love Slipknot now. Yeah. I got into Slipknot very late actually. And True. you can put aside the the cheesy lyrics. Like, yeah, yeah. It's very like angsty lyrics obviously, but the production is brilliant. It's really well done. And it, it, the live show won me over. But so you saw them live, did you? That's that. Well, I, I always was like, oh, no, I'm not in Slipknot because it's, you know, it's I hope my mom and dad kind of music. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, but then I saw them at Soundwave. I was I was just walking past. I was on my way to see like Machine Head, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, and but I was early. And so I, um, yeah, stopped by Slipknot and it blew me away and I'm staying for the rest of their set. And I like, for, it was the majority of it too. Mm. Um. And, uh, yeah, I was completely blown away by it. And I got into their discography that way. But, um, yeah, the first, I think it was, um, maybe it was Wait and Bleed or something. Yeah. Um, I d- um, actually, no, you know what it was? I remember now it was surfacing off the first one, off the first yeah. album. Yeah. I, oh, man, I, d- I definitely had, I, it was year f- I was in year five, I think, when that album came out, year four or year five. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, that, that was like, that was like my was gateway. It was a gateway album, really, because it was like heavier than anything else. Any like anything else in the mainstream that any other kid was listening to. Yeah, it was like um, my gateway to like more extreme stuff, I guess. Like, and that's probably like re- retrospectively, if I hadn't have ever heard that album, my ears wouldn't have been like primed for, you know, Cannibal Corpse and like you know yeah. like old school death metal and stuff like that. Yeah. So, because like you. I, you, I remember listening to that stuff as a kid and being like, damn, this is like scary. It evoked so much emotion. Like, yeah. And, and with the artwork, I wish and I could get that feeling and, again. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. being at like the poster shop in the shopping center and there was a, I remember it so vividly because <laughs> I opened up and it was a big poster print of the Rolling Stone magazine cover with Slipknot and it was kind of like they were all peering into the image as if you were like lying in a coffin or something. I can't quite remember, but they're all like peering over the edges. Yeah, yeah. And it was like warning Slipknot inside. Yeah. I remember my mum making a comment as well being like, oh, that's a stupid band or whatever. (laughs) Like, yeah. As a kid though. My my mum can appreciate them now. Like, yeah, yeah. My mum's pretty open to music these days, but, you know, obviously she was being a bit protective of me because I was a little kid. But I remember seeing it and it stood out to me so much. And I remember thinking about it at home and I was like, man, I want to – I want to fucking read what uh, listen to whatever that was. Absolutely, it's so um, much larger than life when you're when you're at that age, and you're so much more impressionable. And and eat, like music, but the feeling would, was like music. It's like watching a horror you. film, but in an image. Yeah, and you're just like whoa. Yeah, that's, I guess yeah. that's the same kind of feeling that people would have had a, like of Kiss. Maybe not so much to the same the same feeling, but that same kind of impact. Yeah, when Kiss oh, came absolutely. out of the first bands, kind of really. You can totally put on this weird see makeup. How, yeah, you can totally see how that band blew up. Like. The way it did because they were, yeah, it was the, and I like Alice, the new Co- metal Alice Cooper, kiss. yeah, you know, and like, yeah, you exactly. know, shock, like, and it had just been recycled by that point. It hadn't really changed as much as it probably had gotten tamer, really, from going back from like what Alice I Cooper used to go on, on, so to speak, I guess, on, on stage, but yeah, like, because I was like a sucker for like Marilyn Manson and stuff, like growing up as well, mm. like, you know, the age of 10, maybe 11. Marilyn Manson, did. Mar- Manson was around before Slipknot by a few years, probably, yeah, yeah, but he had that whole like, um, like freaky aesthetic. Like, I had the I had that album Antichrist Superstar when I was like nine, ten years old, yeah, and um, 
I used to chuck it on and uh, yeah, it would freak me out. Like you, but you, 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 it's like watching a horror movie. You know, it's going to freak you out, but you'd put it on anyway. Cause it was just like, you know, it was cool. You know, it's different and it just, just drew you in. If you have a look at, at the artwork for that album, it's probably not something that like a nine or 10 year old kid should really be like, you know, looking at. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely freaking creepy. It probably still creeps, probably still creeps me out a little bit to this day, really. Is that the one where it's like him, it's him on the cross and he's like, and, but it's kind cover. of blurred. He's like, rot, he's like rotting. It's like, he's like Jesus uh. Christ and he's on the cross and he's like, his jaws missing and like. He's all like rotting away and stuff and all that. You flip through the book and it's all it's all along that vein. It's all like him in Hectic. creepy freaking outfits and rotting in different ways and stuff. It's like, yeah. It's cool though. Like what kid wouldn't wouldn't be drawn to that? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Like I I actually had to listen back to some Marilyn Manson like not too long ago, a couple of months ago. And I was like, ah, oh, this is actually like it's pretty good. I don't mind a bit of Marilyn Manson. I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to a little bit these days. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Mar- Marilyn Manson's another one of those kind of like greatest hits albums, uh, greatest hits artists, I should say. Like where mm. I'll only kind of get into the greatest hits. That's fair enough. Album, and that's as far as I kind of end up delving into it. Yeah, a lot of his albums were like pretty rubbish, I suppose. A lot of the songs on his albums were very throwaway as well. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of that because I remember years ago like sitting down and giving one of his albums a shot and it kind of seemed like that there was some mm. songs that were just kind of a bit filler yeah and he was he was very much a borrower a borrower as well like he wasn't really in any way like very original but like he was just like his timing was right like mm. so like i think people like especially after like people, everyone had gone through like um you know punk and like grunge and things like that all that the seattle sound that was coming out of um you know, out of the nineties. Yeah. And, and then, um, you know, and that's all pretty like, that's all pretty, uh, relaxed and heavy, benign. but you know, aesthetically relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you could put it that way. And like, yeah, all of a sudden like Marilyn Manson's like, you know, donning all these freaking crazy outfits and like st- stirring up shit with religious people. And, you know, just like shock, like shock rock was, he basically just brought shock rock back into the, into the limelight. And the mm. timing was like, probably really probably perfect for it i've probably watched a lot more marilyn manson though i've like watched many 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 interviews and such with him mm. he's very youtube binge worthy yeah, oh, yeah all those like programs that he featured on back in the day when like like uh he's the he's the guy that has a talk show where he get he gets like basically rednecks come on and they talk about they fight over who's oh the jerry, jerry springer jerry springer thank you yeah, yeah. those jerry springer style shows like yeah. we're just pretty much like manufactured like conflict. They'll, they'll bring, they'll bring on someone who's like, you know, uh, left of center and then yeah. try to try to take the, the, try to take some more high ground against them and then just like subsequently get demolished by like yeah. a really well-spoken guy and like die high, fuck me boots. Exactly. <laughs> you, you can watch a lot of those. There's a, there's a few out there yeah. the moments where People think, yes, yeah, he, he's walking in, but then he kind of... He's not an idiot at no, all. Yeah, he's, he's very smart. Yeah, he's he knows what he's doing. Actually... And he knows um, how it looks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He know, he knows exactly what he's doing. Bowling for Columbine is, is probably... The, that was kind of, of what led me on to that because I yeah. saw the clip and then I was like, oh, wow, Marilyn Manson's actually super interesting. He's art- very articulate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's what... I, that, I think that was probably responsible for um 
like a sh- almost like a shift in his image as well. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess we should probably wrap it up and mm. you know, yeah, get on been, with our lives. Yeah, but I think it's worked pretty well. Yeah, it has. It's been fun. I've pretty much like I think we've just lost an hour just just literally uh, yeah having a conversation, which is which is nice. I don't get to sit down and do that very often. Yeah, at least not with you, Matt. So that's that's um yeah, because it's always we're handing over the store. Yeah, it's always on my day off, and I'm always like. Yeah. going to do stuff on my day off like shopping and really exciting things yeah yeah so yeah definitely be doing more of these i think um and possibly you know interviewing maybe people well not even interviewing chatting just bringing some people yeah. in for a chat yeah and just having these kind of conversations so i guess i'll put it out there um if any artists who are listening are interested and in jump behind a mic marilyn manson like, um, yeah marilyn listening. manson if you're listening um yeah, shoot us an email and uh, yeah. Or if you've um, got any questions or if you want to elaborate on anything we've discussed or if you yeah. have any other tidbits of information. Thoughts, feelings and opinions. Anything we got, anything we left out. Yeah, did we get any facts wrong? Yeah. You know, there's I'm that sure saying, uh, if you want to know something on the internet, don't ask, just say the wrong thing and someone will correct you. Yeah, exactly right. It's, yeah. So if you want to correct us. Definitely do that. Far away. Or if you have any... Um, topics of discussion for, for the next time actually dylan how many do do you have any email domains can we get like a podcast at rhubarb records.com oh uh, so okay right yeah yeah no. i can just make maybe a we can g- just say gmail. Just make a gmail yeah 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 so um yeah i'll make up a gmail or we'll see you'll we'll, make up a gmail we'll set that up for sure and yeah. uh I'll, I'll probably put it in the body of the description of the podcast if mm. you have any ideas or anything or want to or give us some nice feedback yeah, on yeah. how our voices are. Tell us, that, the tell us what yeah. we're saying too. How smooth and sultry our voices are. Yeah. I'm going to hate Maybe the sound of my voice. I can tell Maybe we could start Records ASMR. No, no eating stuff though. Yeah. Just, Just um, talking about records. Oh, it's it's taking the shrimp ra- shrink wrap off records. Oh, that's an untapped ASMR market Ooh, there. That's true. Opening up the shrink wrap off a record. We're going to have to, by the time you hear this, we'll have already done episode one, so you can't steal our idea. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to try and manufacture a viral video here just as a parody. Yeah. I reckon we can get do some numbers online. Oh, there you go. There's something, so, there's something for episode two already. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Do this again soon. Thanks very much. See you guys. See ya.